We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me as always, Jack Manuel. Jack, how are we doing? Okay, Nick. I'm doing okay. Yeah, we're doing okay. We had some uh, trade news yesterday. It wasn't Dame Lillard to the Nets, but we're going to talk about that and plenty more. Make sure you check the Buzz on all streaming platforms. But Jack, where do you want to start? We're starting with the trade you're alluding to, Nick. Bradley Beal to Phoenix. From the Nets' perspective, how does this affect our franchise, our beloved Brooklyn Nets, Nicholas? Yeah, I think you can look at it from a couple perspectives. The first being the Nets have the Suns picks moving forward. Obviously, they have the first round pick this year. They have the pick in 2025, pick in 2027, a swap in 2028, and another first in 2029. Now, I don't think many of us anticipated that 2025 pick being great. You know, Devin Booker's still on the team. Kevin Durant's still on the team. You'd never really expect that team to miss the playoffs. Now, I think you anticipate that pick being even lower, potentially, you know, 30th in the first round. But for 2027 and 2029, there's still a chance that they could be really good picks. You know, the Suns put themselves in a really tough cap situation. Obviously, Kevin Durant's going to be, you know, in his late 30s at that point. Bradley Beal in his mid-30s, all looking for new contracts. Same for Devin Booker. So I think it's really unknown with the picks. But the other side of the coin is, you know, we were anticipating the Heat landing Bradley Beal and essentially taking them out of the Damian Lillard sweepstakes that could potentially happen. And now they're still alive and it seems like their focus is on Dame rather than Bradley Beal. Yeah, I think focusing on the Phoenix side of things, you alluded to those picks. In 2025, at the same time, it's not necessarily a write-off because weirder things have happened in the NBA in terms of you know, super teams that have failed, we've experienced that firsthand. First yeah. Exactly. So, But in, in saying that as well, I also want to allude to the fact that Bradley Beal, Kevin Durant, and maybe to a lesser extent, Devin Booker, their games played and their durability, there's a question mark around that. Kevin Durant, I think, because he's aging, I think the nature of his injuries, we've seen that, uh, are kind of fluky in general, like, you know, spinning on the floor, someone falls into his leg. But nonetheless, he still gets injured. You know, Bradley Beal hasn't played 65 games plus in a, a long time. I know you alluded to that on since, a previous Since uh, 2018, 2019. So there you go. Five years since he's been playing consistent level basketball. So there's something to sort of just look at and, and just keep in the back of your mind. Yes, this is a super team. And maybe the next couple of years, those picks aren't going to be great. But in 2027... 
Bradley Beal's going to be 34 years old. Kevin Durant's going to be 38. Devin Booker's the only one that's going to be probably still in his prime at age 30. So I think you can have like a, a nuanced perspective about this. You can be like, damn, if you had gone to Miami, then Phoenix would have been a bit more of a rabble and those picks would have been a bit juicier and it might have pushed Damian Lillard more so to Brooklyn. You can also think about the fact that, well, I want to keep just rebuilding a bit nicely here to go the slow and patient route. There's a lot of different ways to think about this, but I think in 2027 and in 2029, that's when the Nets can be like, man, Maybe one of those can be a, a lottery, maybe a fringe lottery. It's going to be about how Bradley Beal ages, how Kevin Durant ages, and the durability and consistency of Devin Booker. I think that guy's going to be a top 10 player for the next however long he's in Phoenix, to be honest. But Beal at 34, KD at 38, and then the rest of the team. You know, the, the new CBA and how they build around that. There might be some ring chases. There might not be. It's going to be intriguing to see how it does pan out. So... The, the, the long-term patient approach isn't something that I'm necessarily good at, nor are fans in general. We want that instant gratification. So it makes maybe the short-term picks from Phoenix not look great. But long-term, who knows? There's a maybe a higher combustibility rate. You know, Kevin Durant and his super teams haven't worked out so well other than in Golden State. So plenty of ways to perceive this from the Nets side as being good, bad, somewhere in between ultimately you know it's about what your preference is how much were you clamoring for damian lillard now we're getting stronger rumors about him heading to miami from chris haynes we could, we'll probably discuss them a little bit but yeah there's bradley the whole we said you know in our previous pods that bradley beal wherever he goes is going to dictate a lot for brooklyn and the rest of the nba we're probably going to see it pan out over the coming days and weeks yeah and i think with the 2027 and 2028 swap and the 2029 suns pick they were never a lock to be great picks. It was always kind of a hope and a projection that, oh, maybe the Suns will be in a bad spot here. You know, they're very limited in what they can do. And, you know, I obviously they landed Bradley Beal for, you know, 10 cents on a dollar, five cents on a dollar, whatever you want to put it, you know, weren't giving up much for him. And I think you could say maybe that'll have an impact on potential other trades with guys around that salary and skill level. Maybe not Damian Lloyd because he's a superstar, but, you know, a guy like Carl Anthony Towns or someone else, similar similar contract and uh, similar talent level. Yeah, look, it'll be interesting. There's going to be incredible amounts of movement, whether it's to Brooklyn or around Brooklyn, wherever it might be. But... We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
a couple of questions I have for you. I've got a two-parter for you, Nick. This is via Brian Windhorst on his podcast. He said, ironically, I think the Nets are a team that are very happy about today's trade. All of those, all of, hey, all of these are on a short window. The picks that they gave up to get KD extend beyond the short window. Suns go all in on the next three to four years. Second part is, would you rather have seen Bradley Beal in Miami? Like, I just want to get your answer to both of those questions in terms of reacting to Brian Windhorst saying that the Nets should be very happy about today's trade. Are you very happy? It's kind of just like you're going to wait and see. I think maybe you could say there's a higher probability that it could go either way now. Maybe it could be a really good pick or a really bad pick. It's, you know, it's hard to predict. I think, you know, if you asked anybody how would the Suns land another top 40 player this offseason, a lot of people would say, I don't know. You know, or it'd probably include DeAndre Ayton, and they didn't even have to include him in the trade. So I think it's a interesting situation for the Suns, and we just kind of wait and see how that plays out. Because like you mentioned, too, is the health of KD, the health of Bradley Beal, and, you know, how those guys age moving forward. And also, the West isn't super easy. It's not like they're going to, you know, walk to the championship. I think Denver would still probably be the favorite today. But, you know, it'll be interesting to see how the whole team plays out. And in terms of Bradley Beal, you know, going to the Suns and how the Heat are focused on Damian Lillard, I, I think... If you're on the Dame train, you know, it's, I don't want to say disappointing, but it's definitely another hurdle for the Nets, especially if he wants to go to Miami and that's his top choice. You know, that's going to play a really big impact. But at the same time, like we've said from the start, the Nets have better assets than Miami. Yeah, that's it. So I think on the, the Phoenix side of things, and should the Nets be very happy about this, I think... We've never been in the the sort of long-term waiting game since we've done this podcast. At the start of our podcast in the inception, we were on the other end of it, where it was the Joe Johnson, Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce sort of side of things. And Boston reaped the rewards of that, getting Jason Tatum, getting Jalen Brown, getting all of those sort of guys. Now, I'm not sure that the Nets are going to get two franchise cornerstones out of the Phoenix Suns picks, but who the hell knows? We might. So it it could be interesting. Maybe the basketball gods give us a pay us back a little bit because there's Nets fans we have suffered so 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 much about the the last couple of years so maybe we get some good juju with Mikael Bridges, Nick Claxton, Cam Johnson and the the rest of the guys moving forward but on the would I prefer be able to go to Miami look I think both of us were somewhat on the Damian Lillard train you know we didn't get first class seats but we were sitting pretty comfortable in economy and you know we were sort of saying you know 75% likely I think it's below 50-50 now. You know, the odds are dropping by the day and by the hour. I I think that you can't really. I mean, you maybe there's a greater seeing this uh, pan out makes me think that there's probably much greater risk in trading for Damian Lillard in terms of like that floor ceiling that we like to discuss a lot with players and with just different outcomes. Trading for Damian Lillard uh, gives you you know a top four seed a chance to get another superstar, but you're paying a guy 60 plus million dollars in his age 36 season. So there's that to deal with. Whereas now the Nets maybe just trade 21 and 22 DFS Royce, get some nice picks. Maybe they go up to pick 10. Maybe they go up to pick 17. I don't know. And they just you know, slowly, but surely let the wheels turn. So I think it's about what your preference is. The part of me is just like, man, I would have loved to have Dame Dollar and, and be listen to all of his albums with Lil Wayne and all the other features and stuff. But in, in saying that, I'm also fine with the, the slow and steady approach, even if it is less exciting and alluring by nature. Yeah, I don't think the Dame 
to Brooklyn thing is over. You know, I don't think it's dead. I think there's still a chance that that could happen, especially because he has mentioned the Nets and Miami is, you know, strong. But a lot of people like you, we've alluded to on the show, it felt like he was a lock to land in Miami, Bradley Beal. And he ended up in Phoenix. So there's always a chance there can be surprises, whole bunch of different variables there. And like you said, I think with the thing with Dame is, yeah, it definitely could go, it could go sour, but it also could go positive. It gives you a better chance at winning a championship because you're one piece closer. And not to say he would lead the Nets to a championship because like we've talked about in the past, it would be getting that other star to pair with him. But it would be one step closer to doing that where now the Nets still need to find a way to acquire that superstar or potentially draft that superstar. And like when you're drafting a player, it's not only the need to find essentially probably a high lottery pick, but it's also hitting on that pick. It's not like, you know, it was so easy to just get a lottery pick and draft a superstar. We wouldn't have these teams tanking for three to five years. Exactly. And I guess it's sort of just asking you, Nick, uh, the direction if Lillard does head to Miami, does it sound something like this? You know, I'll, I'll pose you a scenario. Would you rather package DFS and or Royce with the pick 21 and 22 to move up in this year's draft or continue to accumulate future draft capital, keep the picks in reserve and then strike on a superstar or strike on a guy where you can move up maybe even greater than probably? I think the ceiling of the nets in this draft and packaging those two picks with whoever else would be pick 10 you know, from mm-hmm. the Dallas Mavericks. I think some people are, are mentioning Indiana. I see that as incredibly unlikely, but I'd, be, I'd love to be surprised. But what do you think the direction should be if uh, you know, what could be likely that we don't see Damian Lillard head to Brooklyn and it's Miami? What should the Nets do heading into the draft? Yeah, I think uh, we've kind of hinted at this. I mentioned on Twitter before, just continue to kind of build up their assets, you know, take small gambles. And I think... You know, if there's a player you love that you can land at number 10 or in the, the late lottery, you know, trade up. But I think also in this scenario, you probably want two rookies on this team. So maybe you trade up, you trade one of the role players for, you know, another late first round pick or something like that. And like we've talked about in our previous podcast, you know, trade for one of those upside guys. You know, you take these small gambles that could essentially you know, help you increase your asset pool to have something that's even more enticing than some of the picks you do have. Because as of right now, it's not like anything is amazing. There's a chance 2029 Phoenix and 2029 Dallas could be great, but it's not like it's a lock. It's not like there's this young, young talent on the nets that they could throw in a a trade and that would be the centerpiece. You know, there's no Mikel Bridges to send for a Kevin Durant. You know, I think that's kind of what you're hoping to find or even just even a Cam Johnson or someone, just so you have something enticing to a trade partner in the future if you do need to make that trade or develop the guy moving forward. So it's just take small, smart risk. Yeah, look, I've been scouting the 2029 class. All these 12 year olds have been falling out. No, look, in all honesty, it's anyone's guess what could happen in in six years' time. So, look, I, I think it's a like, as you alluded to, it's about the nature of you know what you decide to do. Is the this year's draft seems pretty have a decent amount of quality you know guys now you know i know your your guy eric slater has done some good work at clutch points you know there's carson wallace jordan hawkins a a lot of these sort of guys i know you're a big fan of Linda miller so there's a a lot of different avenues and what is the difference in in talent and upside like can you get someone at 10 you know we've seen donovan mitchell yansons the combo these sort of guys go in the the mid lottery can you get that sort of style guy which is a, a franchise corner piece maybe maybe not i have no idea 
uh, in comparison to a lot of other smarter draft people, including Joe and uh, a, a lot of others. So you I think take, it's just trying to take multiple swings. I think that's something you do if you don't get that top pick. You know, it's not like you have one, two or three to draft Scoot or Wemby or Brandon Miller. So I think if you can get a lottery pick and then still have other swings in the first round, you feel good about that because you know, the guys that you mentioned, it's not like they were all projected to be superstars. You know, they're guys that were projected to be NBA players, but not necessarily hit the levels they did. So there's always a chance that you could hit that one out of 100 potential. Yeah, you could. And look, uh, there's certain deals I wouldn't do. I, I wouldn't do 21 and 22 for the Lakers 17. I'd rather have two swings at it, as you alluded to. But if you're giving me 10, if you're giving me somewhere around that sort of range, then I'm starting to get enticed a little bit because the talent increase at that sort of range from what I know is just a, of a higher level and it gives you a greater shot at getting you know, guys that can genuinely contribute and if you're getting a rookie one or two of them you have that cost control as well so there's the CBA mechanics of it all where it's just like do you offload Dorian Finney-Smith or Royce O'Neal you know what is the value getting back and or both you know it's about putting all of those different things together because I know probably, as I said before, I'd rather keep one of DFS or Royce and offload Spencer Dimonio or Joe Harris, but I think both of those guys are negative value. So I think it's I don't about, think Spencer's negative value. I think he's, probably, yeah, he, I he's, think he's, he's probably, probably fair value. Probably fair-ish value. I, I think on the, on the yeah, I, I don't, probably what he showed in the postseason left me with a bit, a little bit of sour taste, but you know, that's, that's recency bias. Uh, any other thoughts, I guess, on, on that, Nick, before I throw... Actually, a pretty interesting mock trade your way. Yeah, I think I would just say, like, I'm not opposed to, like, let's say an S trade 21 and 22 and someone else to move up to 10 and then also trade someone else to land, like, 23 or 30 or one of these other late first-round picks and just, like I said, continue to kind of take those shots. Spurs are an interesting team because I think they have two relatively high second-round picks as well. So, I don't know. It's just putting yourself in a position and understanding like, Hey, this year we might not contend this year. We're probably not contending for a championship. We might be a playing team, but let's utilize that year so we can bounce back quick and set ourselves up for 2024 free agency or off season to make that splash trader begin to build a contender even more. Yeah. Let's get to a minor return of the BS report that brought to you by unnamed sponsors. Still, yeah. we're still looking for that one to come on board. Maybe it's Woj with this report. He said with the new CBA and lots of teams having to get money off, Washington is going to be there to be the team that takes on your bad contracts. Now the Nets have probably the worst contract in the NBA in Ben Simmons. You know, he's been doing all the Instagram stuff, team Australia, all that, or basketball Australia. But in saying that, Nick, could we see Washington be a suitor for Ben Simmons' bad contract, quote-unquote? Yeah, I mean, I think they definitely would be one of those teams. They'd be interested. They'd take Ben for future draft picks. It's pretty much that simple. You know, is it part of a bigger trade where Ben is the contract the Nets are getting off to acquire a star? Is it part of a trade where they're looking to acquire, you know, Chris Stapps for Zingas or something like that? I'm not really sure. So, you know, I think it's a possibility and it's one more team that's available to dump Ben if they go that route. But I think dumping Ben only makes sense if you need to, and you need to move that contract to add a star, not to just do it to do it. You know, there's no point in dropping the contract if you're just going to spend the year developing young talent. I completely agree. I totally completely agree because there's no point in just throwing away because Ben Simmons could be somewhat of an asset. He could turn into yeah. like Spencer Dean when he works. Just like he's fair value. He he, he shows Lowest the value of him is an expiring contract in uh, 2024, 25. 
Exactly. So maybe you just retain him to just have that number, which is turns into an asset when it's once it expires in that season, as you alluded to. But the final thing I wanted to throw your way, Nick, is an interesting mock trade from Kevin Pelton. And it's a three-team deal because we've heard some rumors about Zion Williamson possibly heading to Portland. So Portland Trailblazers get Zion Williamson. The Pelicans get that number three pick that they've been clamoring for. They also get Patty Mills, Royce O'Neal, and DFS. Meanwhile, the Nets get Anthony Simons and Keon Johnson. What do you think, Nick? It was probably a no for me. Uh, I think um, when I just look at Anthony Simons, I just kind of, you kind of know who he's going to be. You know, he's going to be a solid starter in the NBA. You know, I think you'd rather move, you know, Royce O'Neal and Dorian Finney-Smith to get a first-round pick and swing at a guy of your choice that you think could probably develop a little bit further. Not to say Anthony Simons isn't a good player or will be a good player the rest of his career, but it's not like we anticipate him being an all-star or this game-changing talent. And also, it fills up your cap sheet a little bit more. Where Patty Mills, Royce O'Neal, both expiring, and Dorian Dory Finney-Smith. Dorian Finney-Smith is a very movable contract that has value across the league. So, yeah, I think it's just how you assess Anthony Simons. Now, I yeah. might be slightly higher on Anthony Simons than you are. You sort of just in the same realm as your Jordan Pauls, your Tyler Heroes, these sort of types that are sort of fringe, and that contract isn't you know erroneous. You know, it's sort it's of it's not that- bad. It's just like there's no need for it if you you don't think he's part of your long-term plans. No, and look, he he might be. You know, we sort of speak about, you know, upside guys. We did that podcast. You know, Anthony Simons would fit in, you know, as a better version of Cole Anthony and and those sort of guys. I think he is a pretty good shot creator and a a lot of people call him Lillard Light. I think he's Lillard Light, Light, Light. I think Damian Lillard is an incredible player. So, look, it's about how you assess Anthony Simons and his value. So, and he's had some some big moments, you know, whether it's against the Nets or or other teams, you know, a few things do spring to mind. But ultimately, as you alluded to, it's just the, the Nets are sort of giving up those assets to just acquire Anthony Simons and the Nets need shot creation and I don't want that shot creation to come from purely Spencer Dimity next year. I'd rather have it come from Cam Thomas in all honesty but yeah, I just thought it'd be worth throwing out there and look, maybe in the next podcast we can start doing Zion Williamson mock trades. I might have to start thinking of those. <laughs> Who knows, mate? Who knows? Yeah, I don't think, I don't know if the Nets have enough to land Zion but uh, just touching on that, I think like I'd be more interested in like 23 from the Blazers for like Royce O'Neal or something like that, you know, a potential another first round pick, more ammo to move up. And like I mentioned, giving yourself two picks in the first round, even if once, you know, mid lottery ones later in the first. And also, you know, I, I think we have to at least mention, you know, it's not impossible the Nets would include Cam Thomas in a trade to move up in the draft. You know, I think small contract has value, kind of unsure what that relationship is like moving forward with him and the Brooklyn Nets. So I think that could be a plausible scenario too, especially with there being some really good combo guards and scoring guards on the board. We shall wait and say, Nick. All right, Jack, always a pleasure. Big thanks for everybody listening. Check the buzz on all streaming platforms.